We're in a series about finances. The series is titled Dollars and Cents, what the Bible really says about money. And today I want to talk to you about why we tithe. And when I say why we tithe, I'm talking about uh, my wife and I. I want to tell you why my wife and I tithe. And uh, this goes for, for most of you here. In fact, I was thinking I'm kind of preaching to the choir. I realize that when we talk about tithing, I'm preaching to the choir. But uh, I just think it's something that we need to cover. And uh, thinking about that phrase, preaching to the choir, uh, last weekend I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who is a grandfather. He has one granddaughter, and he just found out that his daughter's going to have another grandchild. He's going to be a son. So he's really excited. He was telling me how great it is to be a grandfather. And I told him, hey, hey, you're preaching to the choir. And then I said, actually, you're preaching to the choir director. And he thought that was really funny. He got a big laugh out of that. Uh, I didn't think I was that funny. But anyway, I'm preaching to the choir this morning because many of you are tithers. Uh, but I think it's a good, um, uh, a good time for us to reflect on why we do this. Why do we tithe? So I might tell you why my wife and I tithe. And it's an important topic as we discuss finances. Uh, I, I've been saying to you that a lot of people get really nervous when they hear a sermon about money. Other people get uh, downright angry. And I guess in a way that's understandable because wh- how we handle money is, is very private. It's very personal because how we handle money is an indication of our hearts. It's an indication of the priorities of our hearts. But if we don't teach God's principles for managing money, and if we don't teach what the Bible says about the tithe, that we're not giving people a chance to be blessed by God. And I want you to be blessed by God. I want all of you to be in a place where God is not giving you a trickle-down blessing, but where He is pouring out, and I'm using scriptural uh, verbiage here, where He is pouring out blessings to, your, to you, to your life, to your family. How many of you want that? That's why we, we teach all the counsel of God's Word. Now, when my wife and I got married... We got married uh, 35 years ago. It's been real easy for me to remember that because 35 years is a significant number. Most of the time when you ask a husband, how long have you been married? He breaks out in this cold sweat. You know, like, how many years is that? Especially if his wife is nearby. He's like, how many years is it? But this one has been easy for me because it's been 35 years. And when we first got married, we made two commitments to each other. Two commitments that with God's help, we've been able to keep. The first commitment we made was that we would never divorce. We would never get a divorce. We'd be be married until death uh, do us part. We we made that commitment publicly as a part of our vows, as many of you did. Uh, But we went a little further. We actually made a commitment to ourselves privately that we would never bring up divorce in a discussion i.e. argument, right? Because uh, how many of you know that sometimes you can get really mad at your spouse? All right, so, but we promised uh, each other we'd never bring it up. In fact, we said we won't even say the word. No matter how angry we are, how upset we are, we would never even use that word, even in plain, and certainly never in the heat of a discussion. We would never bring up that idea of, of divorcing. Uh, well, you might say, well, Wow, you really trapped yourself into that marriage. No, it's not a trap at all. What it did, it, it forced us to work on issues that we were dealing with instead of walking out 
on, on the relationship or on the marriage when we felt things weren't working out. I mean, we just, we just said this is not an option. We, we closed the escape hatch, and we said this is what we're going to do. So that was one of the commitments we, commitments we made. The other commitment we made was that as, as soon as we got married, we were doing this individually, but uh, once we got married, we would always tithe. We would always tithe. I grew up in a pastor's home. So I knew all about tithing. I knew what it, what it was. I understood it. I practiced it as soon as I started earning some money as a teenager. Uh, you know, in fact, I grew up in an era, and some of you will remember this. I grew up in an era where the, in the church, the names of all the tithers were listed and were put in the, in the bulletin board in the back. You could go to the back of the church and see the names of who had tithed and how much it had given. That was, that was the culture we grew up in. I mean, it worked back then. I'm thinking of bringing it back. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I even heard of some churches that, that they, they would have somebody, the, the church secretary would go to the front of the church, to the pulpit, in a worship service, and read off that list. Today, John Doe, or this month, John Doe gave $50 tithe. So-and-so, and so everybody, you know, listen for the name. Okay, they got my money. I mean, that's just the way things were done. So we grew up in a tithing culture, and, and that seems really foreign to us because the culture is so different now, but it worked back then. So I knew all about tithing. Uh, my wife wasn't saved until she was in college, but uh, she, she knew about tithing. She understood that, and we both knew that was the commitment we wanted to make and to keep, and with God's help, we've been able to do it. And just like marriage... It hasn't always been easy. Tithing hasn't always been easy. But God has been faithful to help us along the way. So I'm going to tell you why we tithe. Why do we do it? And we're going to look at that classic text from the Old Testament on tithing in Malachi 3, beginning with verse 8. So if you'd follow along in your Bibles, Malachi 3, 8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. How many of you want to be known as someone who's blessed? Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now let's begin today by defining the word tithe. And, and I don't want to just look at a, at a dictionary definition of that word. I depend a lot on the dictionary. In fact, when I prepare my sermons, uh, I not only have the Bible open, but I also have other uh, Bible study books. And I always have a dictionary open. I'm always looking up words. I want to make sure I'm using the right words. I'm, I'm using it correctly. And, uh, and I also have a thesaurus. I'm looking another way to say this word. Try to find a way that connects, a way that will register, a way that will be effective. And so I, I use the dictionary a lot. But I don't want to try to define biblical words using just a dictionary. We have to look at how the Bible uses certain words. We have to look at the context, how, how, that, Bible, how that word was used at that time. 
at what it meant in biblical times, study the context in which it was used, the culture. And so we discover that the word tithe, the word tithe means a tenth of your earnings. A tenth. But the biblical use of this word is not just any tenth, but the word tithe, tithe actually means the first tenth. The first tenth. We are commanded by God to bring the first tenth of all our earnings, the first tenth of all that God blesses us with when we're paid, when we're in any kind of, of revenue stream that comes into our lives, we are commanded to bring the first tenth to God. Proverbs 3, 9 reads like this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So in this passage here, the word first fruits, first fruits, that word refers not only to the first part of the harvest, but it refers specifically to the best part of the harvest. Not just to first, but to the best. It literally means the choice part or the fat, the choice part. In other words, whatever we give to God should be our best not our leftovers. When we, when we give Him our time, we should give Him the best of our time. Sometimes we try to, you know, right before we go to bed, I think, I better read the Bible and we're falling asleep. That's not the best of our time. We're just kind of giving God the last few minutes before we doze off. Or have you ever done this, try to read the Bible while you're already in bed? That doesn't work. All right, we're not giving Him the best of our time. So when we give Him our time, give Him the best of your time. When are you at your best? Give that time to God. When, when we... Um, Give them our talents. Give them the best of our talents. Don't just use your, your skills at work and at your hobby and just give God a, a few days a year in serving Him and serving others. Give Him the best of your talents, the best of your skills. And when we give our finances in worship, it should be the best. Right off the top, the first tenth. And this is a very important and a very critical distinction because a lot of people... I've discovered really want to be obedient in returning the tithe to God. They want to be obedient in obeying God in that. But they haven't learned to give it off the top. They haven't learned the idea of first fruits. So they, they never have, as much as they want to give to God, they never quite have enough left over at the end of the month to give to God. And so whatever they have, they give to God. And you know what? Even if you have 10% at the end of the month and you say, okay, here's the tithe, it really isn't the tithe because it's not the first fruits. It's not the true tithe. In fact, that's what happened to Cain in, in the book of Genesis chapter 4. You may be familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. They were brothers. And uh, we read in Genesis 4 that Cain and, an Ab Cain and Abel each brought an offering to God. No, no doubt God had commanded this. We don't read about this, but that's an uh, implication. Remember that we, we've talked about how uh, giving... To God has always been a part of worship. Our worshiping has from the beginning has included giving to God. And here it is way back in Genesis. Uh, here they are worshiping God with a gift to God. So here's what happened. Genesis 4.3. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops. Notice that phrase. Some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his, and his gift. 
This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And of course, we know that uh, eventually Cain killed his brother Abel. But the question is, why did God reject Cain's offering and accept Abel's offering? Well, the, the answer is that Abel brought the best of the firstborn lambs. And Cain brought eh, some of the crops. I'll take this to God, right? The commandment apparently had come from God to bring that offering. He says, I'll, I'll just take this. And, and Abel gave God the best. So that's an important distinction. And as we follow that train of thought through the scriptures, through Proverbs and through Malachi, even to the New Testament, that we understand that, that the tithe of first fruits is the top 10%, the best to God. Now, here's an important an important thought. What we give to God, what we give to God, whether the first fruits or the leftovers is evidence of the priorities of our hearts. The priorities of our hearts is, are not indicated by what we say is important, but by what we do. And if we bring to God the first fruits, that says something. If we bring to God the leftovers, that also speaks about what's important in our hearts. We can say God is first in our lives, but the proof is in how we give to God. Do we give Him the first fruits, i.e., do we give Him our first and our best, or do we give Him the leftovers? Right, so now getting back to our text in Malachi, the prophet tells the people here that, and it's God speaking through the prophet, that not returning the tithe to God is robbing God. It's robbing God. Remember last week we saw that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. So if it belongs to God and He commands us to return 10% to Him, and we don't do it, we keep it, that's robbing God. Now once you decide to keep the tithe to yourself, for yourself, you've robbed God. That's what the prophet was saying. Once you decide to keep that 10% off the top for yourself, you've robbed God. If you buy some new clothes with the tithe, we might say you're wearing stolen clothes. If, uh, if you buy a new car with the tithe, then you might be driving a stolen car. The point is that to keep the tithe for yourself is to rob God. And then Malachi also tells the people that they are under a curse because they are keeping the tithe. Because they have not returned the tithe to God. And so here's a way that he, that he says this. Verse 9, you are under a curse. Your whole nation because you are robbing me. Because they had, asked, they had asked them, how are we robbing you? And, and God said, in tithes and offerings. And by the way, there's a distinction between tithes and offerings. The distinction is that the first 10% is a tithe. Anything beyond that is an offering. So there's a distinction between tithing and offering. This is why last week I, I challenged you to give toward missions. That's an offering. Missions is an offering. Any other offering you might give is beyond the tithe. And so he says, you are under a curse because you are uh, robbing me. In other words, this is, this is so interesting that not tithing blocks God's ability to bless you to the extent that He wants to bless you. He may still bless you because God is, is gracious and, and, and God uh, you know, looks beyond our faults and He sees what, what we need. But we block His ability to bless us to the extent that He wants to bless us. And it's just amazing you know, that, that we can block 
God's ability to bless us, but it's true when we don't return the full tithe to God. Now, you might say, well, how? I don't want to be cursed. Well, you know, I think the curse today looks differently than it might, might have looked in the Old Testament. We're in the New Covenant now. So a curse today might look like this. Going to bed every night worried about how you're going to pay your bills. Worrying about money. That could be what the curse looks like today. Arguing with your spouse over money. Over how she spends so much money or he bought something without your permission. And, and we don't have that money to do that. And all the arguments go, go along with that. That could be part of the curse that comes when we don't return the tithe to God. Or just simply living in, in, in fear that we're going to lose things. In fear that what if, what if I lose my house, lose my car? And what if I lose my job? And where am I going to go? Where will I work if I lose my job? I can tell you that's no way to live under that, that kind of a curse. Uh, that's no way to live. That's not what God intends for you. You know what God intends? You know what God prefers? Instead of you worrying about money, arguing about money, in fear of losing your job and, and your possessions. You know what God intends and what He prefers? He prefers to open the windows of heaven and to pour out a blessing so big that you're like, I can't even hold everything God's trying to give me. I can't even contain what God wants. Another car? I don't have a garage for another car. What's God doing? Well, He's pouring out blessing. And they're not just material blessings, but think of the joy, the peace. Think, think of the, the spiritual blessings that come into your life because you're faithfully obeying God with a tithe. And I love the use of the word poor because it speaks of abundance. It's not a trickle-down blessing, but it's a blessing that is poured out. It comes from opening the windows of heaven, heaven opening the floodgates. That's what the scriptures say. The floodgates of heaven and pour out this blessing. Unfortunately, we have a good image of floodgates and, you know, with, with uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey in, in, uh, in Houston, especially that area, of how powerful that water is and how it flows. And God is saying, I want to give that kind of a blessing to you. It, this word poor speaks of abundance. It, it speaks of, of something that is fulfilling, of no limitations. That's how God wants to bless you. So what do you prefer? A curse of worry and anxiety and fear or a life of God's blessing being poured out. And so I find it interesting that Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It's almost like God is saying, look, I know, I know you're going to try to keep a little bit and say, well, I'll just give this much. He's saying, no, bring it all. Bring the whole tithe, the first tenth into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this. Test me in this. Nowhere else does God say, try this out, test me in this. He says, test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I love verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now, that's quite a challenge that he would say, test me in this and see if I don't do this. And he talks about this big blessing. Now, to me, it's a no-brainer. Okay, so you're saying, if I tithe, God will prevent pests from devouring my crop. Now, I don't have crops. 
But I do have a family that I want God to bless. I do have children and, and our grandchildren, and I want them to be blessed. I don't have crops. I don't have vines. But I do have a house, and I have a car. And, and, and I want my car to keep running, and, and, and I want to I keep my house, and I'll have, I want to have money to fix my house, maintain it. And uh, I don't have crops. I don't have vines, but I do have a little, a little money in my account. And I don't want Satan anywhere near my money. I don't want him anywhere near my, my finances. I don't want him anywhere near my family, near my material blessings. I don't want him anywhere near my life. I do want Satan's attacks to stop at my door and not make it into my house. I do want my money to go further and to last longer. And I think that's what this means when he says, I'll prevent the pest from devouring your crops. I want the work of my hands to be effective. I want the things that I do with, with my skills that I have to, to make money, to make a living. I, I want to I be successful. And, and the, the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. I want my money to work. I, I want it to go further. I want it to last longer. And so I want that blessing. To me, it's a no-brainer when God says, look, test me and see if I don't bless you at your job, bless your family, bless your finances, bless you in all that you do. Now people say, oh, I, that sounds good, but I'm in debt. I'm in, and you're telling me to pay God first before I pay other people? That's exactly what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, put Him first. Put Him first. Because don't you want His blessing on your life? Now it doesn't mean you don't pay your debts. It doesn't mean that, that, that you can be careless with the handling of your money. In fact, it means the opposite. We've been talking about that. You, you, you pay your debts. You, you handle your money correctly because that honors God. But what this means is you just start with God. You start with God. Now, it used to be that uh, when, when I got paid, and uh, I would get paid once a month when I was teaching full time. And when I got paid, as soon as I got paid that day, I would write out a check. For, for the tithe. I wouldn't wait till Sunday because it had to be, you know, I don't want to go to the store, go to H-E-B and spend the first 10% because I'm waiting till Sunday to bring the money to church. I want to give the first 10% to God. So it's right off the top. And, um, and now, since I, I pay through my bank, through, through bill pay, then, uh, you know, I just, I go online and click, 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 and it's off and it's gone as soon as I get paid. Now that I know I can schedule, it's just scheduled. I mean, the, my payday, the check goes off. I, you know, the bank pays for the stamp. I don't have to pay for that. And so, you know, I, I want to give God the first 10%. You put God first. Now, and, and then there's some people who say, you know, there are those who say, but I'm in debt, I can't pay. Others say, well, I'm broke, I can't afford, I can't afford to tithe. Well, as many people have said before, you can't afford not to tithe. Because you need God's blessing to get out of debt. You can't afford not to tithe. The best time to start tithing is when you're in debt. Give to God first. Because look, either you're going to give to God first and He's going to bless you, or you're going to figure it out on your own. You'll find, okay, I'm going to take money from this here and give it over there, and I'll skip this month, and then I'll catch up. And, and you, maybe it'll work out. Maybe that'll work out. You'll figure out how to pay your debts. God blesses one of those ways. He blesses when you put Him first with the tithe. He never said he would bless you trying to manipulate and do this and schedule that and you know, skip one month or skip two months. And so which one would you rather do? I'd rather do the one that God 
blesses. Which one do you think God's going to honor? Which one do you think God's going to help you with the most? And I'm not saying He won't help you over here. I, I think God, again, He's gracious. He'll help you. But it comes down to a matter of, do I really trust God? Do I believe He'll do what He says when He says, test me in this? Now, I've been telling you that I'm going to tell you why my wife and I do this. I'm going to tell you why we tithe. We tithe out of gratitude for our past. When we bring our tithe to God, we're saying to God, thank you for what you've done in our past. Thank you that, that you allowed us to come together and, and we started a, a family and you've given us children, uh, you've given us grandchildren. Thank you for all you've done in the past. We realize that we wouldn't have anything, God, if it wasn't for you. Everything we have, everything we own here on this earth comes from you. Everything. Thank you for our children. Thank you for our grandchildren. Thank you for our jobs. I love, I love what I do, that I get to lead a church and I get to preach God's word. I love that. And my wife loves her job. I've been telling her, hey, you know, anytime you're, you're ready to, you know, to give that up, I know, you know, she, it's, it's tough work, teaching is tough work. And uh, she says, no, she says, I, I love what I do. Thank you, God, for what you've done, that I get to get up and, and, and do what I love to do. Thank you for, for keeping us healthy. Thank you for giving us clothes to wear. I mean, everything that we have comes from God. So we're just saying, here's God, here's 10% that you've commanded that we give back to you. Here it is, just out of gratitude, because you have given us everything in the first place. So we tithe out of gratitude for our past. But we also tithe as a priority statement for the present. Right now, God, I want to show you that you're still number one. You were number one back when we got married and we, we made this commitment. We we're going to tithe because we were both taught to do this. And so we're going to tithe. But it's not, I don't want to just talk about, oh, yeah, I remember back in the past. No, I want to do it now. See, you can say that God is number one in your life, but if you're not tithing, then you're kidding yourself. God says, I want to be number one in your time, in your money, in your relationships. And we can, we can do lip service. Yeah, I, I love Jesus. He's number one. But if I'm not tithing, I really don't trust him. I really don't believe when he says, test me in this. Try this out. So it's insane. You know, it, uh, my priority is God. God, you're number one. I give you the first day of the week. And I know you all believe this. This is why you're here today, to give God the first day of the week. I give you the first day of the week. I give you the first part of my day. Get up in the morning and spend some time with you. And I give you the first part of my income, of my earnings. And I want to show you, God, that this is an ongoing thing with me and my wife. We, we still believe this. We, we've seen it work. We've seen how you've blessed us. you blessed us in the past. But we want, to, we want to show you we mean it now. You're still our priority in the present. So we tithe this gratitude out of gratitude for the past, for our past. We tithe as a priority statement for the present. And we tithe as a statement of faith for the future. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen with the economy? We don't know. What's going to happen with our jobs? We're able to work and have the strength. You know, I still have the strength to, to make some money. And uh, I don't know how long that's going to last. Uh, we don't know what the future holds. But... I'm going to tithe as a statement of faith for the future because every time I am tithing, I'm saying, God, I believe your promise. And I believe you're going to take care of us. 
that somehow you'll figure out how I can live on 90% that's blessed instead of 100% that's cursed because I kept 10% for myself. So I'm just going to trust you with the future. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I believe what your word says, and I'm going to tithe, and we tithe, my wife and I tithe as a statement of faith for the future. That's why we do it. What about you? What about you? Why do you do it? Or why don't you do it? So are you willing today to take up the challenge that God is issuing when he says, test me, test me. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like he's saying, okay, you're not, you're not getting this. Really, really test me. You know, I was, uh, I was teaching at another school, at another school district, when I got a, a phone call, this was, what, 1999, I guess? I got a, a phone call about a, a job being open here at Lakeview High School. And um, I got a call from the choir director who was leaving that position. And uh, she says, hey, I think you should apply for this job. And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy where I am. And then I got a call from the principal. I said, hey, we need to hire a choir director. And a lot of people are throwing your name around. I thought maybe we can talk. And uh, I told him no. I said, no, no. I said, I'm pretty happy where I am. And uh, he says, well, let's, let's just talk. So I said, okay, we'll talk. But uh, and turns out I, I took the job. But uh, when I was talking to my predecessor, she was leaving the job because she and her husband were moving out of town. And she, she told me, you want this job? I said, no, no. I said, I'm happy. She says, no, no, no. You're not getting what I'm saying. You want this job. And it was a good job. It was a good schedule. The pay was, was pretty good. Better than what I was getting. The schedule was better. The pay was better. And I said, no. And she says, no. She says, you're not getting me. She says, you want this job. I said, oh, really? Yes, you want this. I said, okay, well, I, better, I guess I better talk to the principal about it. And I feel like that's how God is saying, like, you're not getting me. Test me. Try this out. Take the challenge. Take the challenge. You know, God is, he's drawing a line across the sand. He's saying, okay, test me. You know, cross the line. He's throwing down the gauntlet, you know, in a manner of speaking. Uh, to, to throw down the gauntlet means to challenge someone. Now, it, it's not quite the same thing because to throw down the gauntlet means to challenge someone to a fight or a debate. He's not challenging us to a fight. If God challenges you to a fight, you just give up, okay? Tap out. It's not going to work. So it's not a fight. But, you know, in medieval times, the, the knights had these, they used to wear these big gloves. They were called gauntlets. And so if one knight wanted to challenge another knight to a fight, he would remove his, his glove, his gauntlet, he would throw, throw down the gauntlet. That meant I'm challenging you. If the other knight was going to take that challenge, he would pick up the gauntlet, they say, okay, I accept the challenge. We're going we're to fight, okay? So that's what that means. Now, because God's not challenging you, challenging you to a fight, but he is challenging you to test him in the tithe. Just take the challenge and see what God will do. I'm telling you, pick up the gauntlet. Pick it up. And you might say, well, what if I don't make it? What if I don't make it? What if I start giving 10% to God and I don't make it financially? You know, I can tell you that if you try to live on 10% less because you returned the tithe to God, 10% less than what you, you're living on right now, I can tell you, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. I think you'll adjust. Have you ever lost a job 
And then you had to adjust. Ever done that? Have you ever maybe taken another job that paid you less and you had to adjust? I mean, it was hard. You had to refigure your finances. You had to give up some things. But you learned to do it, right? You learned to adjust. If you're between jobs, you learn to adjust. You, you, you know, you, you're frugal. You cut corners, whatever you, you have to do. And I believe that, and I'm not saying that just kind of as a safety net. I'm just saying, look, if, if you're worried about that, don't worry about that. I, I, I think you'll, be, you'll see that God is true to His Word. He's true to His Word. Let me just finish with this. Whatever you want God to bless. This is a very important principle. Whatever you want God to bless in your life, put Him first in that area. For example, you want God to bless your relationships, then put Him first in your relationships. He blesses that. You want God to bless your time, put Him first in your time. You want God to bless your money, put Him first in your money. Whatever you want God to bless in your life, put Him first. So today I want us to to pray and to thank God for His many, many blessings. Acknowledge what He has done. And I want to challenge you. Take up the challenge. Take up. This is God's challenge. You know what I can, why I can speak to this so confidently is because this is God's challenge. He's the one who said, test me. I'm not telling you, hey, test our church or test me as your pastor. It's God who's saying, test me. And so we know that God is true, and I want to encourage you, take up the challenge today.